when, when I describe it to people, I always say like the um, superhero stuff is like my day job, you know, where it's like, this is, you know, I don't try not to get emotionally invested because that's the part of it that's going to break your heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the day job part of it. And you don't put your heart into your day job. I Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. Last week, we returned from our vacation in Colorado. And then I turned right around for a three-day work trip to New York City. That explains my not uh, putting this episode out last week. Also, I was annoyed by the audio quality of my intro recorded on the road. I just couldn't do it. And I guess that's a curse of buying nicer gear. I don't know. I just can't stand it when it doesn't sound good. I'll either try to find a solution for that or just carry on releasing them from my studio. I don't even remember if I mentioned it, but I had some... Oh, no, I guess I didn't. I had some amazing feedback from another writer on my first book, which, you know, you kind of think like, oh, I I, I know all about it, but... um. You know, every time you talk to another person who's spent the time and put a book together and, you know, written, you know, beginning and a middle and an end, getting their perspective on it along with other people's perspective shows you all those things that you go, oh, yeah, of course. I don't know, you're lying to yourself or whatever it is, but you just don't really stand up and go, oh, right, I need to take care of this. You kind of hope it doesn't get noticed or something sometimes. One of them is going to be pretty noticeable, but um, it's going to make a great difference to the end result. Stay tuned on that. Oh, I guess, yeah, I didn't do Jack looking for an agent while I was away, and I thought I would have the time, but um, client work snuck in, which sapped away all my... <laughs> you know, my free time on vacation, you know, just the time that we weren't off doing things, I had to work and I had to sacrifice off doing things to get the work done. So there just was no opportunity for it. And I really, you know, I just couldn't beat myself up over it and couldn't take any more time away from the time that we were taking together. There you go. (laughs) Nothing's happened. Yeah. You know, there you go. Oh, I rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Man, I I so dig this film. I I don't know if it's just my age. And, you know, for those of you who are, you know, in your in your middle 50s, maybe even a little older, but the Manson murders were this weird ghost that hung over the 70s. Growing up in the 70s, they just they were always this omnipresent thing. And the way that Tarantino exercises that event in this movie, just it's such a really, really interesting take. You know, it's like turning fiction into alternate reality fiction. And I think that is such a freaking cool way to go about doing uh, stories, especially something so big as a film. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. This week's guest is Becky Cloonan. Oh, and I guess I didn't say it, but uh, welcome to episode 200. (laughs) 
amazing. And uh, season 13, they happen to coincide at the same time. Becky was one of those sort of like maybe someday, hopefully one day kind of guests for a few years. And then we cross paths at a convention and she was just surprise, surprise, awesome and cool and great. And we um, just kind of played email tag until our schedules aligned and then bam, we had a great talk. She's just, you know, totally cool. And um, her work is amazing. And she's just one of those people who the comic industry is better off for having creators like her in it. Yeah, this is me with Becky Cloonan. So where are you? Uh, Portland. Oh, gee, yeah. man, I, I, I think I'm going to say a good 20 to 25% of the people I've had on the podcast yeah. in four years are based in Portland. This is a new move. So my partner, Michael, and I moved up here almost a year ago now, I think. Like we moved up here in like mid-September. So okay. Coming up on a year uh, from Austin and our, we were in Austin for like maybe five years and our landlord right. sold the house like in the pandemic, oh, which okay. I get because he's like, it was his only, he was like an older gentleman. He bought it with like a Jeep in the Jeep with the GI Bill, like in the seventies. No way. And cool. Then, like, yeah. So he had moved in with his wife and rented out the place and, you know, it was just like probably secondary income for him but a pain in the butt because everything just always broke because everything was from the 70s so we yeah. were always like oh the air conditioner broke oh the stove is broken the fridge is busted like always yeah so we just decided like you know time to time to sell the house and like travel the world you know oh uh, well i good on him I but interesting him, uh, no i want to because he was a landlord but he, you know he wasn't like an evil because everyone's like oh screw him and i was like actually i don't hate him i don't think yeah. No, it was no. Just, it was it was annoying because we had like a month to figure out where we were gonna go. Oh wow! And okay, so it was like Texas. I mean, I'm sure like I could have asked him for like some wiggle room, but it was just like he's like, "Oh, could you be out by like September?" And like we'll try, we'll do our best. Wow. <laughs> we were looking at oh. New England because like that's where we're from, and our parents are still there. So yeah, it would be kind of nice, but it was so expensive; they could not afford it. And then we thought about like Philly. Philly's super cool. You know, it's yeah. to New York and like way cheaper and a great mm-hmm. city. Uh, and then we thought about Richmond for a little bit because that's a cool spot. And I lived there for like two years. And then Portland, which was just like, maybe that's the move because there's, we know a billion people there. <laughs> I know. And as I was looking for apartments or houses or whatever, I was just looking for something to rent. And I was on Zillow and I found a spot. I was like, this one's like, looks like it's in a good neighborhood or there was like grocery stores close by when I mean good, mm-hmm. good neighborhood. I was like, there's two grocery stores in walking distance. Yeah. You're still thinking like a New Yorker. That's the best part yeah. about it. <laughs> I know. No, so no. Like, <laughs> oh no, no, no. I, I totally, I totally get it. When we moved here from New York um, to Asheville, like my, like there was only one semi-pedestrian area here. And my yeah. wife was like, we got to move there. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. Because it was just the idea. And there really was, yeah, no, I mean, the grocery stores around the corner and there was like a market, like all the kind of things are like, this is, you know, it would, it would be like the worst neighborhood in like Queens. Yeah. Like it wasn't like it did nothing really to offer, but it had just enough to like say it wasn't a residential straight up, you know, suburban neighborhood. Yeah, there's like a bar. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's Asheville. We have a few bars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got a couple bars. It's nice. We have like a local bar now. It's kind of, it's cool. We've That's like cool. found a cool spot, but like I was in, we were in Providence at the time, like looking for places in like lower Massachusetts, like Providence, mm-hmm. Pawtucket kind of area. And I texted a friend of mine when I found this spot. I was like, Hey, uh, do you know this neighborhood? He's like, he lived in Portland for a super long time. And he was, he, he worked at Mondo for a bit. So we hung out in Austin a bunch and then he moved back up during the pandemic. And he like sent us a video, like three minutes later of like him and his partner walking their dog right by the place that we were looking No at. way. Like we live like four blocks from there, dude. I was like, you're like sold. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of like the universe being like, maybe you should just move to Portland. Like right. <laughs> Tim lives close by. Like you can hang out with him all this time. And we do. <laughs> that is oh, that's so cool yeah it's i mean it really it's so funny it it is so much like a i mean it feels like if there was a comic convention but you just removed the convention and everybody was like you know everyone yeah. had like was in a you know an airbnb and it's like hey we're all just we can all hang out yeah it's uh, it feels like that sometimes when there's like a signing or something we'll have friends come down from seattle and like crash with us and then like go to this it's like a little mini con but it's just like a saturday afternoon mm-hmm. and then everyone just ends up going out for like a food and a drink later and it's just like a nice super chill i don't know it feels good yeah. it's nice because like in austin I, there was like a couple cartoonists that like i saw yeah cully times a year. what are you gonna do you gonna, you gonna hang out with cully no we did hang out with cully all the time of course well, you hang out with cully when we got him out of the house we started hanging out like when we found out we had to move, Kelly was like, we got to hang out more. We hung out like every week. So that's, that's the funniest thing. Anytime it's like, it's like, if you ever, if you ever get in the point in your life when you buy a house and you have to renovate the house, there will be a room that you won't really do a whole lot to, but you yeah. need to do a lot, something to it. And then you're like, oh, we're going to sell the house. So then you fix the room up and you're like, why didn't we do this when we first got the place? Cause it's so nice in this room, you know? Yeah. And then, so that's like hanging out with Kelly, you know? <laughs> That's really what it was like. Uh, he's, we're trying to get him. I think he's coming up for Rose City. I think mm. we're trying to get him to anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's you know he's big time Mr. Uh, Blue Beetle right now. So I he's. Oh, uh, I love it. Finally, I yeah. think he's done so much stuff for DC over the years that he just hasn't got. I think like the proper score, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's almost funny because like Red hit before the whole big comic book yeah thing hit so even though like the industry and friends are all like yeah 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 right on i don't think the world was aware that like that comic book to movie connection is as clear as it is now yeah the losers was like that too Same, yeah similar genre similar you know it's like i don't know but like he did all like the when the new 52 happened he did like so much work on like the redesigns and then it's like mm-hmm. most of the credit just goes to jim lee because of course it sure <laughs> sure it's Jim's just like, like, hey, I like this. We just add a couple doodads to it, and then yeah. it's like it's like Nashville songwriting. And now he's like, I'm, I'm, I, it's my song now. Yeah, it's nice. It's, I feel good for him. So. Yeah, no, well, Cully's he's a sweetheart. So you and I share some 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 parallel paths. Um, you uh, attended my alma mater, so you went to SVA as well, and uh, just a, a few a few years behind, and. Um, and then we got the New York, the New York con, you know, connection going. And I'm curious about the uh, the New England connection because I grew up in New England as well. So, Ooh. yeah. So I know it's uh, you know kismet, right? Yeah, I just we were in uh, San Diego and found out a friend of mine's <laughs> partner who she's a she's a writer, and I got I got to know her very 
very well. It turns out she's from, we're both from New Hampshire. So she's from New Hampshire as well. And we just sung like local commercials. All it was like water country <laughs> theme song. Like talked about Jordan's furniture. We were like <laughs> burning in fills. Like the whole Hilarious. Thing. It was just, it was really funny. It's, it's, it, there, you know, there is nothing like the touchstones of regional childhood. <laughs> like you can make these things, you can make these things and it's like, you. it doesn't matter. Like you can just, you you could be in the other side of the world and if someone else has that same experience you did as a kid yeah it's you can sit there and you can hang out and have have beers and have a great time it's yeah. it's um, it's like a passport to comfort yeah yeah it was a, it was pretty cool yeah so all right so SVA did you go there like me with the the foolish ambition to be a comic book creator or did Ooh. you have better you oh you had you had higher aspirations oh this well, is good so uh, I went to SBA because I graduated high school in 98 so okay. was, like comics were everyone was like don't make comics. oh dude it was the worst time <laughs> yeah it was the worst time and I didn't even know I was like in high school so I was like I don't and I tried pitching of course you know when you're in high school and sent in that some, mm-hmm. some pages of course they were like high school pages they're not yeah yeah no one will ever find them. And my friend and I did them together. We sent them in under a pen name. So like wow. no one will, even if they find these things, no one will ever know. <laughs> what way, what's it, what's it, what was the thinking about the, the pen name? Was it, was it an attempt to be cool? Like to have well, some sort of like vibe or was it know, like. Part of it was because her and I were both girls and we, 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 uh, we're just thinking like, there's no women in comics really. There was like yeah. five. So we're sure. like, we'll have a dude we'll make a guy's pen name and like, maybe we'll have more of a shot. This Sadly, that was our uh, thinking. As yeah, like, okay. Sure. It's like 17 year old kids, you know, we were like, and then the other part of it was we were like putting art on, like we made a website in like computer class or whatever. And we started putting up like our final fantasy fan art and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. we used that pen name for that website too. And part of it was because we're like, we're not good yet. So part of it was to like disguise who, what, what the drawings were so we can okay. like put stuff online and still like meet people and like make connections through like that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. you're not um, like, there was like a part of us that was like, man, one day no one's, we're not going to like this stuff because it's like, you know, that's what always happens. So yeah. That was the name. That was the reasoning behind the pen name. Part of it was because we're like, maybe we'd get like work in the industry if we were a guy if the two of us were one singular man. <laughs> so strange. And then the other part was like, we need to like hide our paper trail kind of thinking. Okay. Uh, and then, I, uh, yeah. That's interesting. No, because I, I kind of get that. I mean, like I when things were kind of going, starting to go belly up in the like, in that sort of mid to late nineties zone, I remember like that sensation of like, I don't know, maybe I've, I've, I fished this well, you know, this pool as much out as possible with me. And I remember having a talk, um, Howard Porter and I were on the phone just blabbering like we did. And we came up with this stupid idea to come up with our, like a makeup name, like a made up name, yeah. come up with a new style and then like go back and, and the, I mean, you would be dealing with editors as you, but they would be able to kind of resell you into the market with a new name and we came up with the worst name in the world, which was Tex X. 
And uh, that was our, that, that was our, big, that was our big, our big win. We thought this is it. We would, you know, we, we'd somehow just make it cool. Um, but I get that impulse where it's sort of like, well, it's a buffer zone of between you and I don't know the, 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 the rigors of the industry in yeah. that sense. Yeah. And it also, because the two of us were like, we worked really hard to make our stuff like in, you know, we were in high school, we were like, let's make our styles look like as similar as possible so we can both draw and like have it. So whoever drew what, like we wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell. And of course you could mm-hmm. tell because we were like not great <laughs> artists yet. <laughs> it was, we were just, you know, bumbling our way through. So it was kind of like a team name almost. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you know, oh, we do different stuff on our own, but together we are this person. Right, so right. There's that kind of element to it all. Timo Supremo. Right, yeah. Yeah. So that was just, and it was fun. It was very like, you know, she, she was like the person that was, she was better than me. She And she still is probably. We lost touch like a little while ago, but like we, we still like keep in touch like vaguely, but we don't yeah. talk too much anymore. But she was like always that person who was like, uh, better than me and so I wanted to it was like that friendly competition of like man I want to be as good as her but she always yeah. was getting better so it was like god <laughs> it makes me have to like constantly work at what I'm doing to like keep up so did she go so did she go off with you to yeah. Yeah, school we went to the SBA together no kidding we from a small town in New Hampshire right and going to New York was like that was both my parents are from New Jersey. And so my mom, like we've hung out in New York and New Jersey, like as a kid, it was like, I would go vacation there when it was like vacation in New Jersey. Right. Sure. (laughs) And, um, so it it was fun because my mom was, my dad, they were both very excited that it was like, Oh, you're going to school in New York. Well, that'll be cool. Um, and well, we went for animation because obviously comics wasn't working out for us. Right. (laughs) in high school (laughs) (laughs) you didn't strike it big in high school so you got to figure out plan b no plan b and it was i feel like it was her father knew someone who worked at like i feel like it was like warner brothers or like what's the studio that did tightening that was at fox i can't remember and like anastasia you could have been someone could have fox yeah 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 someone someone anastasia was that was dreamworks wasn't it wasn't dreamworks Maybe it was DreamWorks, but it was with, I don't remember. Anyway, whoever it was, it was a long time ago. He knew someone who worked, who painted backgrounds there. And so they got us a tour of the animation studio when we were in high school. Because he's like, oh, you guys like animation. Like, this will be cool. Mm -hmm. And we were talking to them and they're like, oh, you're in high school. Oh, you should go go into, if you like drawing, go into animation because you'll make money. There's like a, you know, a check. You can work at a studio. You get health insurance. And we were all like maybe we should do this. Like, and because right. two of us were such a team, like together we were like, okay, we'll do this together. We'll go into animation together. We'll land a job at the same studio and then we'll draw comics together in our spare time. And that was like our long-term, like yeah. 30 years down the road, that's what we'll be doing. <laughs> and then we're in college and like two years in, the animation industry collapses and everything goes 3D. Mm. We were like, no. <laughs> you're like harbingers you two were harbingers of your own dreams your own demise (laughs) yeah who was who was heading the animation department when you were there i don't remember i I, I remember (laughs) i I, there were well because there was a guy who was the head of the department back when i was there which was you know in the late 80s early 90s and 
And I remember taking classes there, but I don't know if he was still around because I mean, that that'd be like 10 years later. I just don't yeah. think he, he, he wasn't young when he was teaching us. I don't remember the head of the animation department. I think because whoever they were, they just were very much like hands off. I feel like, mm-hmm. like I didn't have any good or bad experiences with that. And also like I dropped out. So it wasn't like, I wasn't there for too long. <laughs> right. So, okay. So you, two years you're there animation you know, industry, you know, sort of significantly changes and you just said you dropped out. So like, what, yeah. what was that? What was the thinking? What was the plan? What was the action? There was no plan. There was no plan. Nice. Check. Ralph is <laughs> a teacher. Okay. Amazing. And I learned so much from him. And I remember lamenting to him, like, oh, they say I'm going to have to take like an extra year of school or like summer classes to like learn the, the 3D stuff if I want to do it. And animation majors were like dropping like flies. Like they yeah. were like going into illustration and switching. So it's like, you know, I don't know if any of them went into comics, but a bunch of them went into illustration and then a bunch of them dropped out. A bunch of them went to 3D. And I was like, I don't want to do 3D animation. And I, I just don't know what I want to do. And and Ralph was like, you know, no one's going to ever ask you for your degree. Like in if, mm-hmm. no matter if you want to do like, unless you want to teach, but in that case, you're going to have to get a teaching degree, which is something totally different. So he's like, just like do what you want to do and if animation is not what you want to do like if you want to do comics just go make comics and I was like all right <laughs> we'll do <Wow>. that <laughs> so it was the best uh, it was very good advice um and I had to like it was a struggle to convince my parents to go to art school so even though they were stoked that I was going to be in New York it was like a year of being like I'm going to go to art school and they were like you're not going to make any money. You're not going to, you're going to be a starving artist. It's the whole thing. And there was like no other artists in my family. So it's kind of like uncharted territory, I suppose. And I think they were just nervous about it. Sure. Like they were very much more like go to a state school and get like a bachelor's degree in something practical and then figure (laughs) out what you want to do with art. So you have like a backup plan. And I was like, no, I'm going to investigate. And and then when I was dropping out, they're like, you can't drop out. You need a degree. I was like, no, I'm going to drop out just for the worst <laughs> well, so you but you didn't you didn't like say i'm just gonna <clears throat> jump over to <clears throat> to the uh the comic book department like you didn't just go oh. i'll go over there <laughs> see i had friends in the comic book department <laughs> oh okay so I, knew, I knew the state of it <laughs> I gotcha like, i think i took like one comic book class when i was there and i was in like a comic book they had some kind of like show like SUA had a comic show and like there was a couple animation majors like there was three or four of us from animation that jumped over to the comic side and mm-hmm. it was all girls and I remember the, the teacher came in and he was like why are there so many girls in this class we're like we're in animation he's like oh <laughs> okay so strange because I think at the time there were like two women in the cartooning department or something yeah I think we had maybe I think we made we had two I think in our yeah it wasn't a lot the, it wasn't there were two yeah i think there were just two and uh you know it's strange and there was no sort of like sense of like what are you doing here it just like it just there weren't that many of them so yeah, i remember they were all in animation <laughs> maybe they were in animation yeah you're totally there, right there was a lot of girls in our animation class but okay yeah and uh yeah it was it was SGA was kind of formative because that's where like Meat House started. Mm-hmm. Like meeting all those guys was the same thing where you find yourself being like the worst person in the room, like both yeah. literally and figuratively. 
<laughs> and I was just like, I'd like to be better, please. So you find the people who are better and try to learn as much as you can from them. Um, totally. The nice, that was nice. And then I met a lot of good friends who like, I'm still in touch with now. It's like nice. I don't know. Just, I feel like school was beneficial in the way that like, I did learn a lot. Um, just being there and kind of soaking things up. But then it was also like meeting people who like then became my peers. Mm -hmm. That was like the best thing I think about going to school there. Yeah. I, I, I think there's, a, I think there's a lot to that. I think, you know, you know, there's the, you know, the SBA mafia fact, you know, like if you went to SBA, then like everyone, it, you know, it's like going to Yale. Like if you're like, Oh, I went to Yale. They're like, well, come on in and we'll talk to you. Like there's, there's this element at least that you have some, I don't know, basic understanding that they can at least communicate to you to say, well, you were clearly the best in your class in high school. So now let's, you know, you, so you might have something to work with that we can, you know, utilize in the future. So maybe, I, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, God, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's amazing how, you know, dumb I, we were. Yeah, um, I, I feel like with school, there is this like debate of like, is it better to go to school or is it better to be self-taught? And I definitely right. like ride like I'm right in the middle of that because I do think there's so much that you can learn on your own. But I think for me, it wasn't the classes. It was the people that I met while I was there who really mm -hmm. helped me just like ins inspired you and like tried to, you know, that's where like a lot of my enthusiasm and like inspiration came from, I think. And being in yeah. New York, which was like, you know, coming from New Hampshire, like the small town, it's like, you know, we, we get to Boston every once in a while, but it wasn't like New York. <laughs> No, it's, it, it's, a, it's a massive, just like constant deluge of inspiration around you. Yeah. Like you are yeah. always, no matter what you want, like, oh, I'm really interested in about this. Like, you know, oh, I'm really digging. I want to do something with skate skaters. And then you could just go hang out and hang out with skaters and learn everything you need to know about their culture yeah. in no time or whatever it is. Or just museums and galleries and music mm -hmm. and just anything that you want, you can find there. It's there. Yeah. And I, I feel like, yeah, with art school, I don't necessarily know if, like, I don't think art school necessarily makes you good. You know, like, I definitely yeah. don't. I can't say that. No, I it doesn't make you good. It does not make you good. Like, no. And, you know, I don't know if it's worth the money <laughs> at all. <laughs> Especially these days, when I look at the tuition prices, it's yeah. almost like, why don't you just go to a city where you know there's an art school and just hang out with art school students? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, I can learn through osmosis or take a couple classes on the side because I know SBA offers like a lot of like. Oh yeah, I mean, I I took I think I took one or two continuing continuing ed classes. I don't know, like in the early two thousands. So yeah. it was, you know, they're they're good. I uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like, sometimes I want to go and like take their risograph class. Sure, they've got, they've got a good one. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's, but th yeah. those are the, the difference between skills and education are two very different things. Yeah. And you can go to college and you can learn a lot of skills and, or you can get an education and. And then I there's like that. practical application of those skills, which is right. another totally different thing. Cause you can yep. learn all the skills, but you have to apply them. It's like, I think I went in with, I think my strength is in application and it's not in skill because I think my skill comes from repetition and application. So I definitely know where my strengths are. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, 
I don't necessarily think I'm like a born artist as far as like being technically good, like right out there. I know people who were like geniuses, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. And it's like, how do you do that? And I feel like every line for me is a struggle. Um, and it's a little hard to communicate that I think after 20 something years of like rigorous drawing every day, but yeah. it's just because I do drawing pushups every day. That's why. <laughs> that's how I, I love that. recently. But I still like you know sometimes they'll be like I can't get this hand right. I'll be struggling for days on this one hand. So, I know it, it's. Yeah. I mean, and then you know, and as you said, there are the people who you know who can just do it, and they're so good at it, and yeah. it's it looks effortless, you know, and you go, oh, I hate you, but I love you. Um, yeah, it's it, it is. A thing. I mean, I have five drawings I have to do for i did a fundraiser and i said hey if you, i raise a certain amount of money i'll do five drawing character drawings and i'm just like dreading it because i don't draw i don't do my drawing push-ups so i'm like you know i'm the i'm the puny drawing guy on the beach you know with the skinny arms right now so i'm in i'm, I'm in trouble i need jack Lalane. um so okay so you, you 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 bail out you're in the city oh yeah and you're i mean what is your mindset saying difference between that in a few years before in the terms of saying, I'm going to make comic books. I mean, you had, you had the go do it from Ralph, but um, what was your, how did, what changed for you and where did you go? What did you do? I, you know, I don't know if anything specifically changes in your head because as you're doing it, the only thing you can think of is like, I got to pay rent. I got to make money. I got to like, so there's like the immediate, like, things that you need to do. So it's just like, oh, instead of working part-time, I'm just going to start working full-time and like look out for more full-time work. Mm -hmm. And did a lot of like weird, odd jobs. I did a bunch of like commercial storyboarding. You know, I, I ended up being really lucky and through someone at SVA, I got like an editorial agent and like storyboarding agent. So I was doing like editorial stuff and some storyboarding stuff, which kind of kept me afloat. And then I was working, um, and then on the side, I was like, now I'll do my comics on the side, which was the same thing that I was doing in school, where it was like, I'm mm -hmm. doing all my animation work, but on the side, I'm going to like make mini comics. Right. So I tried to set a thing where it was like every convention I would go to, that would be like my deadline for my next mini comic. And it would just be like, oh, here's like, you know, four or five page stories, or here's mm -hmm. like, you know, a book of 24 one page stories. <laughs> so it was like all like, I tried to do like little themes for each book and yeah, yeah put them out and then that's where I would do the same thing where I was in school where I'd try to meet people and just be like can I be your friend <laughs> you know? like, I was super shy and didn't know what to do and like I don't know um well you, I mean you were so you're sitting on like because like you you made samples you sent samples in you know when you were a teenager yeah did and... not send samples in so you did, so you did so you didn't go forward on the sample route. You were like, I'm just going to make my own little stories. Yeah, because it's like, what? Who do you send them to? And like, what do you, you know, what do you do? And it's like, I knew I wasn't going to get work with Marvel or DC because like my art just wasn't there. And right. It was weird. It was weirdo art, you know. And it was. It took a while to kind of figure out, like, you know, because going to conventions, you meet other artists, but like, I wasn't necessarily meeting editors. I wasn't meeting like I didn't know how the industry worked at all. Mm -hmm. I knew a little bit because like I interned at a, a small company that published a few comics. <clears throat> they were like licensed comic or not licensed. They were like uh, a lot of manga. So it would be like translated and not like I could publish my books there. 
Right. Um, but I did learn a little bit about like the industry side of it, like how to send books up, how to set books up for print and how to like work with diamond and stuff like that, like through. That's, that's huge. That was huge. So it was like learning a little bit about different sides of the industry that like I didn't know about. Right. Um, but I still didn't really know about like how to, how to get a book, like how do you get a book published? I don't know. Yeah. But I was doing so many mini comics that I felt like I'm just going to continue doing this. Like that was enough for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wasn't looking for like a dark horse book or like an image book or something. I was just like, right. Well, wanna- it's funny. I got this, you know, it's funny because I got, I got, I think I got the reverse of it, you know, because I was, you know, all the teachers in the comic industry at, at, for SVA were all relatively mainstream. Will yeah. Eisner, the exception, but he was such a sort of a fountainhead of, you know, comics origin that he seemed almost mainstream because he'd always been there. And they were just like, go to Marvel, go to DC, go to Marvel, go to DC. So we got a lot of sort of inside sort of like track to go talk to editors and assistant editors. But there was very little like, go do it yourself, young man. There was not. So like the fact that like, even if I'm like, I'm going to make my own comic book, I would have no idea what to do with it. Once I I wrote it and drew it, I would be like, I'm just stuck here. And like knowing like the whole diamond back, like you got the back end information, you know? And I was and I, I'm like, if I could have just had that, you know, I think it would have been one step closer, you know, yeah. at least I would have seen that door as an opportunity versus my opportunity is go hustle with the comp, the main, you know, the big two and get work and yeah. chase that, chase that, you know, carrot dream, whatever it is. Yeah. That was part of like the me house thing was just like, Oh, we just in college, we just made mini comics, you know? Yeah. So when I left, I was like, I'm still doing that. And I don't know if Diamond, like my knowledge of Diamond was interesting because I I don't even think I've ever really put it to use because I've never put a book in Diamond myself. But it was like having that knowledge was Mm -hmm. a good thing, I think, just because I can, I just know more about how the industry works. But like, you know, my making comics was like go to Kinko's and do like the night before the convention and make 200 copies and collate them all on the bus down to Baltimore or whatever. Right. Totally. It wasn't wasn't like, uh, yeah, I remember the day I got like a long arm stapler and I felt like king of the world. Whoa. Some of it was like, (laughs) some of it was the fact that I was going to like ape and mocha and SPX and all this stuff was like, um, everyone there is doing the same thing. So it was mm-hmm. like, you know, you're in this community of people who, you know, and you're surrounded by people who just make these really cool mini comics and self-publish and stuff. And it was like, not, I don't know, it just seemed like this is what you do. <laughs> yeah. And everything else felt very unattainable. I did, I got one portfolio review once at oh, Megacon in Florida when it was still run by CrossGen. And I got a portfolio review by an editor at CrossGen and they said okay. that I would never get work in mainstream comics. That was like wow. back verbatim. It was like, your stuff isn't bad, but you're never going to oh. work in mainstream comics. And I was like, okay. Well, that's so, fine. <laughs> okay. So, here, so I'll, 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 okay. So it was, this is the late nineties. I'm going to say it's 96, 97. And the, in the industry is sort of the mainstream industry is kind of self-imploding at the time. Oh yeah. And I was in the I was in the X Men office, and the editor and assistant editor were struggling. Like they were like they were. You could tell they were really nervous to figure out how they could like maintain the you know the business. Yeah. And 
And like they, they just weren't clear how the industry was shifting and how people's tastes and flavors in what they wanted from comics was what was what was happening. So they would just go like they were thinking like, well, we just need like 10 Joe Casadas and 10 people who can draw like Jim Lee and we'll we'll be just a OK. And then we'll do a million covers and everyone will be be buying comics. And they didn't realize that that's not what the world wanted. That's what that was the problem, really. Right. And I and I remember saying to him, I'm like, well, just hire like cool artists like the Pander Brothers and have them do the X-Men. And they were like, for us after the who are they discussion went by, it was a realization that like I'm like, oh, they don't know the comic book industry, like outside of the offices. And I'm saying not saying that they're bad people and they don't know how to make the comic books and I mean and manage, you know, a juggernaut like the X-Men. But what I realized is that they didn't know that the IP of X-Men, Wolverine, Spider-Man, whatever you name a book, Superman, Batman, that's the value. The creators who go on to there it doesn't matter if they're the a list people b list or c list people they become higher up on the list because they're doing these books yeah and you can generate a whole new world of people who are interested in new creators by putting new people onto these books letting the books build their reputation and then let them go do something interesting else elsewhere in the portfolio of your company and they didn't and I think that was sort of like what sort of led to the ultimate, you know, sort of collapse. Yeah. Who knows? Like that, that whole collapse was a nightmare. Oh, I mean, it's what, it was what sort of, you know, <laughs> you know, just pushed me right out of the business. I just, I realized I'm like, this is, this is so hard. And I made, and I made whatever choice to move from New York to Atlanta. And I'm like, you know, and then I had zero sort of contact with these people. Like I had easy walk in the door contact up to that point, but then it was like, uh, I have no way to get in the doors now because I'm a thousand miles away. So it was just, you know, and then once the industry went belly up, I, I had, sh- I jumped ship over to graphic design. And when I came back, I'm, I'm like, like, I didn't know, I didn't know anybody. Like they were yeah. all gone. Like everyone was gone. I'm like, well, I mean, it's Tom Brevoort. That's it. That's the only person left. Maybe Jonathan Peterson over, I think, over at, at DC. But the rest of it were uh, all new cats. So it was really, it was crazy. Um, but so I was talking to Carl Kershaw last week, who yeah, loves loves you to, to last week too. <laughs> he, he loves you to death, and and Carl said, and we were talking like because you know he's really enjoying engaging and grappling with the evolution from being a comic book artist to becoming a comic book writer artist. Yeah. And, and he's doing a great job and his stories are really, really good. He's not like, it's not like he's struggling, but he he's, he's learning and he wants to learn. He wants to get better. And I said, well, listen, you worked with someone who sort of is a good example of someone who's, who's done both, you know, with you being, you being the example. And he's like, yeah, but like, to me, Becky always seemed semi like kind of fully formed in the terms of being a writer and an artist, not the terms of being an artist who like said, Hey, I also want to write. Um, and hearing you like with all the mini comics and, you know, creating these stories, is that, is that, was that always the mindset? 
Ugh, well, <laughs> I think so. But my mini comics, they were weird. You know, they weren't like, <laughs> it wasn't me figuring out how to, I was just doing it like, a, it's your kid and your brain is in so many spots and you're seeing all these new things and you're watching films you've never seen before. And you're like seeing art you've never even dreamed existed, you mm -hmm. know? And so you're trying to, all this is coming out in weird ways in comics. And I, it was very experimental. And if you've read my mini comics, you know, they didn't make much sense. I think to me, even, they didn't make much sense. It was just like, here's some cool layout ideas. And here's some cool, like, it's more about a feeling and less about a plot. So I don't necessarily think I was like a born writer, although I have a lot of ideas. It mm -hmm. was learning how to like put them down on paper. And when I went from drawing comics to writing, I had, I felt I had to, I didn't even feel, I did have to prove myself again as a writer to get jobs writing. Right. You know, like it wasn't like, oh, I've drawn all these comics. I'm working on comics for like 10 years or whatever. And then everyone's like, oh, well, why don't you write? It was like, I was like, can I write something? And everyone's like, well, what have you written before? And I'm like, uh -huh. <laughs> well, <laughs> I can't show you any of that because I don't even think I have copies of it. Right. You wouldn't want to see it anyway. Uh, and then it just came down to like, well, maybe do some writing and then prove to us that you can do mm -hmm. it. So that's, so I started making mini comics again, focusing more on like, intention and storytelling and you know actually weaving a story together so that was like okay kind of had to go back and relearn <laughs> do it did all you, over again did you chase anything like did you sort of make a uh some sort of benchmarks and ideals to sort of keep in mind when you were writing, like, were you like, Hey, I really love this book or I love this movie or whatever. Like, and, and I always try to like, what were the things that were in these things that really made you connected to you and that you wanted to relay the things in yourself out into the story? I think some, for me, a lot of that is like an emotion. So I'll mm -hmm. get a feeling that I get when I listen to a specific song or like watch a movie or like read a book or something where it's like, I want to capture that sense of like that ambiance or like that, uh, on me or whatever, <laughs> whatever the <laughs> emotion is that I'm that strange, like hard to describe uh, feeling, and you're kind of chasing that. So a lot of times when I'm doing, especially with a short story, I think about like what's the end going to be, and what's the taste I want to leave. What's that last bite going to taste like? Right. And what are the readers going to feel when they shut the book? And that's what, kind of what I start with. That's like the kernel of the story. And then the rest of it is me kind of like backwards engineering the story to be like, how do I get to that feeling? How mm -hmm. do I like build it up enough to like make you, which is great to do with like a graphic novel or a short story or like my own projects because they have a beginning, middle and an end, but it's much mm -hmm. harder to do with superhero stuff where it's like, you got to deal with, you know, you're, you're working towards this goal and they're like, Oh wait, there's an event that you got to like, stick yeah. Oh, next issue is going to be like, can you do this thing where it's like, something totally different than the plot that you're working towards or you know it's like you're always yeah. making your own. so superhero stuff was a little different you kind of have to think more on your feet and be like a problem solver mm -hmm. you know so instead of being like how am i going to get to the end it's always like how am i going to fix this <laughs> how am i going to fix this <laughs> right. how good are you at reacting yeah exactly yeah. like can you pivot really really well and very very quickly uh, and not freak out. Yeah. And yeah. And quickly, like th there's no time to, th there is no time to go uh, be upset or anything. You just have no. to take care of the problem. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, with the superhero stuff, it's kind of, I'd write that all out and it's like, I don't, you know, I'll get emotionally invested in, to a point, 
where I can get excited about it, an idea. Sure. But I try not to get like upset about any of it because none of it in the end is yours. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. you're playing in a sandbox and you're trying to do the best that you can. And you're making room for everyone else who's like in the sandbox with you. And that's like your job because like my mm-hmm. job is if they've got a new thing, I've got to like, you know, if they've got a new character they want to put in this book. I'll have to do something with that character in my book to kind of like help it, that character. Right. So yeah, it's like, no, that... yeah. It's totally different. Totally different than doing your own stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I, I, I get that. I mean, <clears throat> I think it's really strange because I, I know that I was so fascinated with the idea of being able to make stories with these, all these characters that I love so much that yeah. it was almost blinding to the point of like creativity because I didn't think beyond this, like, ooh, I get to draw this, or ooh, I get to make a story for that. Yeah. Which is so not a healthy position to take. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. It's, um, it's, when, when I describe it to people, I always say, like, the um, superhero stuff is, like, my day job. <laughs> you know where it's like this is you know i don't try not to get emotionally invested because that's the part of it that's going to break your heart <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's the day job part of it and you don't put your heart into your day job i think <laughs> yeah but it is a lot of fun and i do feel very lucky that i've been able to like work on the books that i have because you know for you know for all the pivoting i've had to do it's been a lot of fun yeah, I mean, and, you know, and unfortunately, the, you know, the, the landscape is littered with so many people who, like myself, had been sort of so focused on that property, that when their heart gets broken, they're just, you know, disgruntled or angry or whatever. And it's like, you know, it's just, yeah. it's, it's business and figure out how you can do the business, you know, as well as possible to your advantage and kind of carry on. Um, And I think having those like mini comics and those short stories and that to fall back on for me. You had an outlet. Yeah. Because, you know, no book ends. There's no happy ending in comics. You know, there's no like, you know, oh, and and then you got to finish your run and it turned out exactly as you imagined. It's like, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's going to be like littered with like, oh, if only we got to da 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 or like, if only like, you know, if only we had one more issue or just whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. I think those days are really be perfect. So yeah. at least in my head, I've got like, Oh, I've got, you know, a bunch of short stories that I always work on and like mm-hmm. you know, other projects in my mind that either I'm building or like, you know, trying to slowly execute <laughs> very slowly <laughs> right. on the, on the, in my spare time. Um, and having that kind of keeps me sane. What's the, uh, what, what was the transition for you when it came to writing scripts? Because, you know, we of the pencil-y, pencil-y, that's not really a word, really a word, but we of the pencil-y inclined, uh, (laughs) write stories, you know, initially with, you know, sketches, you know, we sketch out the, we sketch out these little actions, you know, like if you're doing a one page mini comic story, chances are you're not cracking out the old, you know, Selectric and typing out a script, you're just going to thumbnail the thing out and then draw it. Yeah. And, you know, so, so many people who do that transition and, or write their own stuff, do it with their hands on, you know, on blank paper, figuring out all the shapes. And then the question is like, when you have to do that for somebody else or submit something to somebody, 
you know, it needs to be on, a, on that blank, on a piece of paper, in a structure, in a format that tells somebody else the story, not just yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was a learning process. Uh, I started writing because I got so burned out on art that mm-hmm. I was like, I can't do monthly books anymore. I just like physically can't like my body was messed up and my, <laughs> my mind was messed up and, you know, just messing up all over the place and it took too much of a personal toll so i was like i've got to do something else if i'm not leaving comics altogether it's got to be like something completely different and when i started writing was when i started doing my mini comics again but more seriously Uh, and so that was kind of nice to be able to like focus a little bit more and have like something that i'm drawing for fun that's just for me where it wasn't like no deadlines and i can just kind of do it at my own pace and then um the first few things the first few jobs I got writing I was also drawing so it was easy for me I think the first thing that I wrote and drew was maybe like an American vampire short story for an anthology that was like published you know for real for real mm-hmm. right, right. <laughs> not self-published not, uh, not hand stapled yeah and that was like because I had done this wolves mini comic back in like I feel like it was like 2013 or something like that um I did this mini comic uh, for for now. I think it was earlier than that. I think it was like 2011, and I showed some editors, and they were like, "Oh, cool!" And then it was maybe Will Dennis or Mark Doyle who got in touch with me about doing that at Vertigo. They're like, "Oh, we liked your mini comic. Like, do you know why don't you write?" And I've worked with them before as an artist. Mm-hmm. So it was like, "Oh, why don't you like write and draw this short story?" And I did, and then it was like slow things like that, where it was like anthology work and like one shots and the first thing I did wrote for someone else I storyboard I storyboard I thumbnailed the whole issue and then scripted what I drew and then got rid of the thumbnails because I didn't want the artist to be like oh you did my job for me you're like oh (laughs) and they weren't good thumbnails they were basically just to like make sure I had the right emotional beats on the page yep so I wasn't worried about like my you know how I'd lay it out or like what angles I'd choose. It was more like what is happening on each page mm-hmm. <laughs> and how much can I fit in a page and be comfortable with like as an artist. Right. I was happy giving that to an artist. Um, yeah. I just, and it was slow like that. And then after a couple times doing that, then I started to be like, Oh, now I know kind of inherently what I can do. Mm-hmm. So now I don't have to. And it becomes much like writing a full script now is like, pretty pretty easy for me it's a writing um, job i actually just read one of carl's scripts recently and they're so they're so good he's such a good writer he's not giving himself enough credit because his like oh i would just, yeah he's really good he is I, I i was telling him that you know reading death transit yeah manager but it, it's not even I, like his script in comic form, his script on the page is so good. It's oh, like, is it? I'll have second, to set like, it's witty. It's funny. Like it's just really, really, really well-written. Oh, good. Like, I, I, I was, I told him, I was like, listen, dude, like I'm, I'm reading this thing. And like my mind, my, my story mind is like, okay, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Like I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen next before I get to it because my mind wants to know what's going on. Yeah. And like, I'm like, I read your thing twice over a course of, you know, maybe four months. So I went back and I read it again. Both times I had an idea of what was happening. They were different ideas and they weren't actually what happened. And I'm like, that's so cool that like you left enough space 
for the reader to come up with some sort of like, oh, I'll bet you it was the butler, you know, and you, you know, and it wasn't the butler, you know, and then you read it again. You're like, it's got to be, you know, Colonel Mustard. And you're like, it wasn't Colonel Mustard. Like it was, it, it's that kind of space to it. Um, I'll get that. I'll get him to send me a script because I was, um, we were talking and I, we were talking about old school plotting versus scripting. And at, when we were in college, my buddy was a intern at Marvel and he brought home John Burns script for Iron Man with John Romita Jr. And, um, and it was just like a page for the whole book. And we were just like, Oh my God, this is heaven. You know, we were so, like, <laughs> it, it was like, that script. <laughs> so, um, and he still has it. I just, he emailed it back says, I, st- I have it somewhere. I'll send it to you. I'm like, all right, cool. So I told, I told Carl that I'll send him mine as well. So, yeah. um, yeah, it, it's just, it's that kind of stuff is like so cool to to see. And so when you sit down to write your scripts now, like for me, what I do when I sit and write a comic script, mostly it's sort of like a basic kind of outline approach where I just beat it out. I just go beat, 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 and write, write the actions of what the story needs to be. And then I kind of figure out how I need to massage it up and down for uh, page, you know, page breaks and where I need to have things land. Do you, how do you, how do you sit down and write your scripts? same thing really it's like yeah um write down the whole you know everything that needs to happen in the story and then break that down kind of, i kind of estimate how many pages i'll need for each one mm-hmm. and then i'll break it into pages like a one sentence thing for each page yep. so like, here's the the action or the thing that needs to happen i'll do some like dialogue maybe like the bad version you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 the just hey the no the yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know like the back and forth if there's any back and forths that need to happen or like right key information like kind of put that in or like an emotional beat or if you have a really good idea for like a line write that in as you're doing it and then uh when i work dc wants full scripts so when i work for mm-hmm. DC, that's breaking it down from there is like that's the that's the time you go to full script is when you get an approval for a page-by-page breakdown but when I work for myself, I take those breakdowns and I go straight to thumbnails. And as I thumbnail it, I'll go in with the script and write dialogue when I'm thumbnailing. Yeah. So it's like the dialogue is kind of done at the same time, but it's not a full script. It's very much like I definitely skip a step. <laughs> but I don't yeah. need like I don't need the script in my head. No, I mean it's it, it isn't necessary if you're doing it yourself. Um yes. because it, it is like I remember I remember you know, when I would ink my own things for a long time, I would just go to full pencils. And then I would have to go and then I would sit there and go, why do I have to, I got to do it all over again. Like I would get so upset with myself. And I think that's like the same thing as with, if you're writing and drawing your own thing, listen, don't, I mean, I think maybe do it at the beginning, understand the form and practice it. If you ever want to write for other people, always good to get that under your belt, but you don't need it. You should be able to kind of go from that beach sheet to the actual, you know, um, it's good to have art. the experience, you know, I think yeah. it's nice to be able to be like, Oh, I can write a full script if I need to, but it's also like, I feel like if you're not planning on doing work for a company that needs a full script, it's like, why mm-hmm. would you, why, why do that? <laughs> why put yourself through that rigmarole? <laughs> right. Like if it works for you and you're drawing and writing your own stuff. Yeah, I think if I think I mean I guess I would simplify that to say if you're you ever intend to work with somebody else. Yeah. If somebody else wants to do your wants to do the artwork, you need to be able to communicate like I always feel that like a script should be able to be passed along 
and not have dialogue, but still be able to tell the whole story. Like you should be able to kind of go like a silent movie. You should be able to kind of know what's happening and then allow yourself that space to, you, you should be able to add to whatever that, that emotion and storytelling that's happening visually on the page with the dialogue and make the dialogue really take that artwork acting and make it even more dramatic. Yeah, that's definitely like my mini comic approach or my short, when I work for myself, it's like, I definitely, you know, the dialogue is the last thing to go in really. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I remember being so afraid of writing dialogue early on. It was such a, like, it was such a horrifying idea to write what the the characters would say, not the actions. You know, it's like you read it back, you're like, oh God. (laughs) Yeah. I uh, I used to make comics and my roommates and I would like read each other's comics aloud if we wanted to annoy each other because we'd just be like, stop reading it. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's so mean. I love it. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) Um, So you are now, so right, I mean, like, you know, you went through the, you went through the the thing, the build up, and you, you got into, when did you start working for, like, I'm just trying to make sort of marks, like, like the first notable publisher that you in your mind was like, oh, I'm working for X. Um, it was, well, my first book was with AIT Planet Lar, who I okay. read some stuff from, but like not a ton. Uh, and that was, um, Jenny One and, and Demo with Brian Wood. And then from there, it was, who did I work with after that? I did a bunch of small stuff. Like I did something for iBooks, who I'd never heard of before. I worked mm-hmm. with them. Um, and it was like a Dracula adaptation. Uh, and I think after that, it was Tokyo Pop and Vertigo. It was like at the same time I was working okay. with them, which was a nightmare <laughs> to do both <laughs> at the same time. Don't recommend doing two books at once. No. When I was young and I had energy, you know, it was different. It was a different time. Wake up out of bed and not be tired immediately. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You can make, and you could stay up till four in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. It was like overnights, overnights. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't. I I think I. Overnight, overnights for me, or or it would be the equivalent of that, that really terrible, you know, terrible hangout, hangover drunk thing where I would, I would always like never again, never again, am I going to do an overnight? And I mean, dozens of overnights in my, yeah. in my life, you know, never uh, campaign again. <laughs> right. Totally. Same Same no, it's, it's, it is, it's, and it's, but like, you know, half of it is our own. It, well, I guess it's either our ambitions, our failures, or somebody else's schedule changed on you. And then they <laughs> so guess what you're doing tonight. Yeah. It's usually hubris is like my big downfall. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, listen, it, it, it's hubris is a, a shared uh, trait. Yeah. It's a, I can fit it in my schedule. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. I don't, what, I mean, listen, I've got all that free time on the weekends oh, yeah. and it's great. All the, well, I mean, in that kind of, it, listen, Becky goes all the way back to the beginning with you when you're saying like, oh, well, I can make comic books, you know, on my free time. I know it's the worst. I, I've been doing this my whole life. I've been, I do it to myself. <laughs> I'm in this position this week where it's like, 
fuck, I've got deadlines and then I've got another deadline I just remembered about. I was like, ah, still happening. I'm still doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's, a. Uh, it's part of the, it's part of the thing, but you know, the weird thing is, is like, Everyone, if you make comic books, you love comic books and you will keep going in. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. So what's, so what's up with distillery? Oh, distillery. So, um, it's, this is, um, Chip Mosier and David Steinberg from Comicsology. Mm-hmm. It's their new venture after Comicsology, And Chip contacted me like earlier, I think it was like late last year. And he was like, Hey, we're doing this thing called distillery. And like, he named some of the people who had like agreed to come in. And of course it's like, Oh, Lisa's going to be involved too. And like Jock, of course, and like Scott Snyder and all these names, just named a bunch of people. And I was like, uh, that sounds really cool. But like, I've got so much stuff going on right now. Like, I just don't know if I have time. Cause they're like, we'll need like, we're doing a, like a, like a, a compilation like kind of proof of concepts type book mm-hmm. and we need those pages in march and i was like "Ooh, i'd love to be involved like i really do but i just don't know yet you know like i just don't know if that can work and it's like it was cool because it was a cool opportunity because i've had this story in my head for years that i want to do and i just haven't found the right publisher for it Mm-hmm. And that was in my head. I was like, man, this would be perfect to do there. And all of a sudden it was like serendipitous. Um, Wonder Woman 800 came up and like Michael and I had talked a while about like, Hey, 800's probably a good jumping off point. Like if we can get to that with Wonder Woman, we'd be happy. And then it kind of Wonder Woman came to very organic clothes, which was nice after like a big crossover event. So it felt good. And then Batgirls, um, ended before I think with issue 18 or 19. I can't even remember now. It's been like a couple months and I'm like, my brain is so floppy. We did a lot of those. Uh, and that kind of ended and it was all very serendipitous. And I was like, oh, this is like time for me to work on my own stuff again. Everything at DC kind of ended. Um, still kind of working on like Exo Manowar a little bit with Valiant, but it was like my plate was pretty clean. And so I, I contacted Chip again, or maybe he contacted me and he's like, what, what are you please say yes to this? And I was like, I'm saying yes. Like I'm into this idea. And it just, yeah, it happened. So like sometimes things just take a long time. Like this book that I've been meaning to do has mm-hmm. just, I just haven't had time to work on it and I'm working on it with someone else. And like our schedules haven't lined up yet. And it, it's just been like, this, you know, slow thing bubbling in the back of my head for so long. And then all of a sudden this opportunity came up and it was like, I can't say no to it. You know? Right. Um, and just everyone else involved. It it really does feel like I'm back in college again because we have like this, it's pretty much like a group text <laughs> for everyone. Like oh, really? so many people on this text and people are always like sharing pages and like posting, you know, if they're, for drinks with each other like just oh we're over here like doing it's it feels nice because it's like oh your friends are like you know it j- keeps each other kind of motivated and like thinking about you know uh just being inspired i think feels right good. well it, it it's great i mean like i mean 
comic books and novel writing are very similar in the terms that you are very much alone most of the time doing the process. Yeah. Unless, unless you're fortunate enough as a comic artist to be in a studio with somebody else, but that you has can't. Its own, like, ups and downs. Oh yeah, no, 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 uh, for sure. But like, you can't sit and write in a room with somebody else there because no. it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, break your brain. Um, but that idea, that shared mission, that shared environment is, you know, so. I mean, it, it really is invaluable. And even though you aren't in the same space physically, you're kind of in the same space, like emotionally and like conceptually. Yeah. Yeah. It really feels like it's different than any publisher I've ever worked with because everyone feels like you're on this boat together. You know, it's like mm -hmm. no other publisher have I worked with, even like DC stuff where you're working with each other's characters, you know, there's not right. really many times when I've gotten on the phone with someone and been like, talk about ideas and let's like, you know, let's get inspired and let's like think of some cool shit. This is like, this seems like that, <laughs> which is strange. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. What's the editorial process like for you with them? Um, with them, I'm working with Will Dennis, who's kind of on board as their editor. Uh, okay. But he's not, it's not like he's editing all the books, I don't think. I think he's just like their in-house guy who's, you know, kind of covering bases. But he's, you know, I've worked with him a bunch of times before, and I really like working with him because he, he knows storytelling. He'll like, he's not the type of editor who will go in and like tinker with stuff, but he'll say mm -hmm. like, well, this part might this is a little bit redundant or like think about this ending a little bit or like is this really like maybe this part like look at this part again he's not telling me like what to do or you know but he'll poke he'll just like poke a little bit at parts that I think could use and I trust his judgment and he's always right you know it's not like right. it's when someone who understands story will look at a thing and you know of course my first drafts are never I mean they're first drafts you know you're not gonna hit it out of the park on the first go. I'm not no. here. <laughs> no, it no. Me like a few, I'll have to go over something a few times. But it's nice when he looks at a thing and he's like, "Hey, this I can." Like he looks at my thumbnails and he's like, "I understand what's going on without even the script." So that's like without the dialogue. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, here we go. Let's let's go. No, that's that's great. Yeah, I I think it's. I, I you know, there's nothing cooler than seeing people make their own books but i i also go man i just i i want you to get your hand like some experience with an editor like i want you to get that time with somebody who can be that you know that objective third eye who can watch this thing from a little bit of distance and go i'm really something's missing here there, that's and, so important having someone on your team who can do that even if it's your artist you know who you trust that if you're working mm -hmm. with an artist and you don't have an editor like listen to the people who are like critical of your stuff because it's like I don't know I think in the beginning when you're young and precious about every idea and you don't understand that like <laughs> nothing's wasted and more right. ideas will come that it's like oh my god like one person saying they don't like this thing is like makes you a bad it's an all or nothing kind of mentality no very much so learning how to navigate that and be like you know it's just if this isn't a personal attack on my character. They're just hanging out like this panel, <laughs> right. you know, right. like really just redraw the damn panel is what, what we're saying. Um, and I'm lucky. I've worked with some great editors. So right off the bat, it was like, you know, have, I've, I feel very lucky with my collaborators, like I've mm -hmm. with great writers, great editors, like great, you know, colorists. Like I just, 
feel very lucky in my career that I've had so many people to learn from. Yeah. And I think I want to, I want to amend my earlier statement regarding the X-Men editorial office and, and apply to all the other offices. It's not, it wasn't their business. It wasn't their job to run the business. No, they weren't the yeah, publishers. They're getting, they're getting like mandates from other people. You know right. what I mean? Like there's not, it's, you know, it's no right. fault that things develop art in the nineties, although it is probably, but it was, oh. it was like, the whole industry was set up to fail because it, there's no, like we've had to rebuild the foundations of this industry since then. Mm-hmm. And it's so much stronger now. Um, but I still get nervous because I see things like repeating, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, I also think that the, the concept of innovation is one thing that is overlooked a lot in a lot of the comic industry. And we, are in a cycle right now with a lot of, with at least the major two of these event-based seasons. Oh yeah. And I fear that if the public goes cold to that, they're going to be in trouble because they don't know how to do anything else, but that for the last, however many years they've been doing it. So it's, it's weird. It's, I feel like, do they even need comics anymore at this point? Because I always get nervous because they're just run by media conglomerates now. Sure. Um, so I feel lucky that we even get comics from the big two anymore. Um, and also like our industries, like look at, you know, Raina Talgemeier's stuff is selling like millions and millions of copies. Yeah. Like, like the book market and young adult comics. And you look at how much our industry has changed from now from the, from the nineties until now, you know, when I look mm-hmm. at it and I thought like, Oh, there's like five other women in comics. I'll never be able to get a job as a woman working in comics to now. And you go around at a convention and it's like, you're looking at almost 50, 50 when you're looking at people behind tables, yep. like there's just, you know, so much more diversity now, you know, so like it's, and it's only going to get more, like it's yeah. not going to get, you know what I mean? It's like no. more kids are reading comics now and they're going to want to tell their stories. And yep. so, when you think about, you know, all the kids who grew up reading manga, which I think was my generation, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my, my, when I started making comics, it's like, you got a lot of people who were younger reading Japanese comics and getting into the fields. And you can see that shift in the industry and see like a little bit, like different types of storytelling being used and, mm-hmm. you know, different um, people just trying out different stuff and it's changed the industry. I mean, manga really helped with that too, with like breaking into the book market. It's just, yep, yeah. So I continue to be hopeful because I don't like to think about <laughs> the, the bad things. That no, I like to see the, you know, there is so much improvement and there's things are so much yeah. better now. And I can just think the trajectory, if we keep going on this trajectory, it's going to be good for comics in the future. I think it's, a, I think it's a matter of just being cognizant of what, what the world is like and how, how do you, how do you adjust the business to accommodate the changes happening around you rather than saying, well, they liked this before. So let's keep doing that. Yeah. And, you know, you know, right now, like we are in this great sort of age of middle grade and young reader or young adult graphic novels. And it's, it's brilliant, but they, the publishers need to try to age that group forward yeah. rather than go, well, 
thanks for the thanks for the seven and a half years. We're glad, you know, we're glad we're glad it all worked out and have fun. Go go read regular books now. And which you should go read regular yeah. books. Yes, but, everyone should be reading regular books. <laughs> but the the thing is, is that they need to build the infrastructure for the adult, you know, using the term graphic novel as an example, where, and it doesn't have to, we're not talking trade collections. We're talking a, you know, beginning and middle and end of a story in one bound edition. And it only comes out in one form. It doesn't come out in issues. It's just this thing. And that's the next, that's the next level. Because if we can get that, we can get people reading these things, you know, and learning, you know, gaining stories and excitement and fun for the rest of their life in yeah. all sorts of forms. And that's where our retailer friends really come in, you know, yep. and you'd see the change in comic book stores from when I grew up to now. Also, it's like, you're seeing, you know, everyone's got different, just there's so much more stuff available and stores are just so much more welcoming now than they used to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I think we've seen the, the evolution of comics as an industry on like every level of, the, every facet of our industry has changed. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah I and it's, help, but I feel good. It, it's going to keep going. So you said, so the story was, you know, percolating the back of your brain um, like for a while. So stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I think, you know, and, that, and that's not uncommon. I think lots of people who, you know, make their own thing, have these things. And especially if you make your own thing, and you also make other people's things because that's what you do. Yeah. That that other people's things is relatively the priority in the terms of the time management because you've got to service those people because yeah. that's what keeps the lights on. So what do you do with these ideas that are, you know, on that back burner over a period of time? How do you keep the interest alive in them, not become distracted by them? And how do you build them without sort of sacrificing too much? Um, well, there's sometimes I'll go and I'll write out plots for things. So I don't mm-hmm. forget them and I'll keep them in like my Google Docs or some other place like Scrivener or something. I'll have, I have a lot of like different ideas written down. Like some of them are like a couple pages. Some of them are only a couple paragraphs. Some of them are just like a sentence, you know, and then I do a lot of sketching on the side when I'm like, you know, thinking about character or story, I'll just draw, draw different characters. And sometimes you'll get an idea that way. Um, with this story in particular, um, I wrote out the whole story and I had seen it originally as like a full graphic novel. Um, and with distillery, it's going to be three long issues. So each issue okay. is like oversized. Um, so when I went back and looked at that right up, I was surprised because I was like, it's actually pretty good. I didn't really need to change that much. And it, then it was a matter of like breaking it into chunks that I felt mm-hmm. like felt natural. And of course the story gets like massaged a little bit, but yeah, like I'll have things written down, sketches done. Like it's just very much. And sometimes things will be informed by like, I went to, I went to a convention in Sweden and ended up like just walking around a bunch and, got really inspired by like the landscape and like some of the ideas just came to me while I was over there. And then after that trip, so I went in and like it kind of changed the story a little bit because it's like, Oh, well, like what about, 
this thing that I saw over there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like things oh, yeah. change over time. So it's like being open to those new ideas and like what's going to, you know, it's just going to help the story at all or. It's, it's yeah. It, well, traveling is one of the best ways to improve your your writing because it'll just you know pack your brain full of all this new information to you know apply. Yeah, yeah. Good for art too. Just everything. Yeah. Like every time I go anywhere, I'll get like things start to percolate a little faster. Mm -hmm. And it's funny when you're away from the the workspace, <clears throat> how you feel so much more confidence in your own sort of pressure around you. Like you can go like, okay, I, I totally can do this. Like I, you can see how you can get the things that maybe have were overwhelming you to some degree before you left. And then you can look and you're like, Oh, I, I'm excited to get back to it because I, I can see what I can need to do to get it. Yeah. I do that all. Uh, all clean my studio or rearrange things or hang up new art and in mm -hmm. my studio and it like changes my mindset for like you know it's, it's a weird way to do things but yeah if I, get stuck, I just move my furniture around <laughs> so you're so this is an interesting thing to think about like you are of the sort of that generation which has grown into and evolved into the comic industry where you are your own business Yes. versus being a person working for a publisher to some degree or another. And the convention circuit is no longer just, you know, a meet and greet opportunity for fans and potential uh, other work aspects. It is a way to make, you know, make your nut. You know, how do you, how do you, how do you go out to the shows and how do you make, how do you make money to, you know, to pay for the time that you're away? Yeah. And uh, have, no. <laughs> what? It's, it, it's like annoyingly every show is different. And I think post pandemic, it's all changed too. Because yeah. like, you know, there were certain shows where you could be like, this is a, like, people like single issues at the show. So I'll bring my single issues to this one or like okay. we want sketches at this show. So I'll be prepared to do a bunch of sketches or I'll bring sketches if I don't have time to do them at the show. Or like, this is an original art one. Like people want pages. So bring some portfolios. But now it's like, I don't know, especially with the pandemic, like kind of closing things off and now everyone's back and no one really knows what to do. <laughs> it's just different now. And I, I still don't know. Like when I, I got a table at San Diego this year for the first time in like, I don't know, 10 years or something. And I was like, what, what the hell do I bring? Like, you know, so I brought a little bit of everything hoping that. Okay. Well, what was the result? Uh, original art was really, yeah, okay. I a lot of, a lot of pages. So I was happy. No sketches. That. I wasn't sketching at this show. No, I know. I saw your, I saw your post, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, your, no your post on Instagram. No sketches. Yeah. No time. I was doing like two or three things a day for like panels and signings. And it was yeah. just, I was only at the table for a couple hours every day. I just didn't have the time. Uh, and I hate sketching at shows too. So that's, a good I mean, it, it was never, it's never, it was never fun for it. me. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me, it was, <laughs> well, it, it's because like, you, you know, you are being watched while you draw and it's, it's not, I never no. draw any, I've drawn like two sketches that I like at these shows. And then you'll see them pop up online later. It's like, Becky Clinton drew me this thing. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Well, were you, <laughs> were you sitting, were you sitting in the same row with like, with Andrew Robinson? Uh, at 
at, at heroes at oh, heroes. heroes yes uh i think i was sitting near him well yeah i think into my mind palace he was he was t- he was too he was two seats over from you i think to your, to your left yeah yeah because he's with um essential sequential and they were all oh, right there yeah it was dave yeah. johnson was there and yeah yeah that was nice i like being close to them yeah but it's tough to be it, right there and, and meanwhile those guys are making like masterpieces you know, I know. yeah you can't compete it's like no I'm not, no i'm not gonna sketch and it's and it is listen it's not a competition so it's not a it's no. not, let's get too bent on that um <laughs> but how do you like so how do you like factor in because listen making comics is a really time time consuming process yeah how do you how do you like schedule your conventions like in your mind like because you you have to be you have to know now what you're going to do next year uh yeah i'm i'm so like last minute about everything it's don't ask me for advice about this because me and time management not <laughs> i'm not good at that and i'm not good at scheduling i try and do like one one a month like no more than one a month okay uh, and i try to keep like two or three weeks between conventions like there was once why i had to do one like the immediate weekend after and i was like i'm never doing this again it's awful yeah i can't do it uh, i get so stressed out with conventions just sure. everything about them just gives me no i don't think anyone isn't stressed out at a convention so but well, i do exhausting really like them yeah i do like seeing friends and- yeah no 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 the, the convention's great it's just the 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 energy level that you have to maintain oh yeah is is so hard to keep that up and not be completely drained by the end of the whole the whole process yeah uh, it's a lot so what's the what's the day what's the day for you like for me it's get up in the morning because i have i have i my mind is like you're saying you know time management like that's yeah sure i, I get that it's horrible for me and so i wake up first thing i do i meditate I, every day yeah. first thing i do i gotta do that or i'm gonna be a complete train wreck for the day so i do that you know do some dishes have some food and then i head off to the writing studio and i write for about four hours provided i don't have to answer a lot of client emails um and then i do then i do client work after that um how, like what are the what are the, what's your daily structure if you have one i should probably meditate my structure it's really just very willy-nilly you know it's very much like i feel like i'm constantly trying to like catch on to a rope that's going really fast and then i just get dragged along like so you're indiana jones underneath yeah. the truck basically that's me every day it feels cool like it's a i'm i feel like occasionally i'll get caught up and i'll be on top of the truck for a minute and like punch dude and feel great about myself and then immediately get hit on the head <laughs> and then like some right bloody nazi hits you with a hell with a with a thing and yeah. off you go that's really that's what it feels like so like sometimes i'll be like yeah i'm caught up on email and then it's like the next week i'm like oh i haven't done email in a week uh just behind on everything constantly uh and and some of that is because i just can't like i just think i'm faster than i am or like i'll get stuck on a thing and then take too many days to figure it out or like you know sometimes i'll take a day off and (laughs) i try to be very good but i'm i'm really it's just I'll work until, you know, I don't know, maybe 11 or something. Like I'll have my day job in my studio where I am right now. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be in the studio from like eight or nine to, I don't know, seven or eight at night. And then mm-hmm. there's dinner. 
usually around like seven or something. And that kind of like breaks up the day, you know? Yeah. And then after that, it's, I sit on the couch and I work and I'll bring like sketches or work on something like smaller. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what I do. Something something lap sized. Yeah. Work on something lap sized and I do that until I get tired and then I'm like time to go to bed. And that's like my deadline mode. That's what I'm, that's what I'm on right now. Uh, Earlier this year, I did like, I said yes to everything and just in January came around and like, I got so many job offers and they were all super cool. And I felt really good. Like I was on this like manic, like everyone yeah, loves yes. me. I know. Well, I, and I, and I started being like, I'll say yes to everything. Cause I said no to everything for so long. Cause I was so busy. And then everything, you know, like I said, my DC work just ended and like, I just found myself with an empty plate and I was like, yes, yes, I'll do everything. Um, and then I, it was like, I remember I got this one email from an editor at, at Skybound and they were like, do you want to do a creep show thing? And I was like, I don't know about time, but like, Garth Ennis is right again. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, I will do that. Uh, and that was like, I feel like it was two months and I did like 70 something pages in like two months. And wow. it was so much work. It was, I was doing like ridiculous. I was doing like a few pages a day for like months I took one day off to do taxes. And at the end, I was like, I think I took like a week where I just didn't do anything but like play the new Diablo. <laughs> I, was like, I, just can't. I just cannot do anything. Well, your brain's already jello at that point. So why yeah, not just. Might as well. And all my yeah. friends were playing. And so I got bullied into it. Um, it was peer pressure, really. Oh, well, that's listen. D&D is yeah. the, the OG peer pressure game. Yeah. Come on, man. Get out of play. We yeah. play once a week. So that is like kind of a nice thing to do. But so um, are you are you drawing like so I, let, let, let me before I hop into that. So when you're writing, are you writing and drawing during the day or do you just say, hey, these are my draw- writing days or how do you break those apart? It just depends on like what deadline is closest. Yeah, yeah. Which one is the most impending really kind of makes me think like oh shit I gotta jump on this because sometimes I'll be really focused on drawing and then it'll be like shit I've got a thing to like I've got an editing pass or I've got like lettering to do or something Mm -hmm. or lettering pass and and then it's like gotta hop on that and it does kind of I don't know if I like having multiple things to work on because sometimes your brain is in one spot but you've got a thing to do like the next day and you're like no I've got to do this thing and you're just constantly like being shut your brain is just shuffling back and forth and so hard yeah so now i've got basically like i've got a couple of small things but it's like mostly the one just the distillery book yeah the one and it's nice to have that focus one of the things that i do um is i'll set i'll set a a timer like the pomodoro method which is you work for a certain amount of time then take a short break and then you get back to the work and if i'm working on multiple things i'll set the timer and when that timer goes off, I'll hop to the other thing. So like, like it forces me to not work longer thinking like, well, if I just keep going, I'll get the idea. It'll work. It'll come together. Like I just put what it in like on a roll. Like what if you feel? Well, yeah. The thing is you, know? you can, you can, that, the thing is that that's your mind making that little, you know, that little thing like, well, I'm on a roll, you know? And I, far, though, like with drawing, like, I know. like sometimes when it's not working, you have to stop because it's just not working. But right. what if you get it and you're like, fuck yeah, every, every line is perfect. And that sure. so rarely, but when it does, it's like, I'm just going to draw. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little side pass on that one, just because I'm not discussing drawing specifically. Okay. I'm discussing sort of like writing or, you know, 
art direction or design based work. So I'm not, it, it's not so much of like, man, this kerning is coming out so sweet. <laughs> nobody, nobody can space letters I like me. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's a matter of like, because what I'll end up doing invariably is I will just keep pushing and pushing and pushing on the one thing. And then it's like, oh, I've just spent three hours on this thing. And it's like, and it's like what we were discussing about going away or you, you sort of reorganizing the studio. It gives you that mental space to kind of go back into it. And I think yeah. going, getting away from it, even if it is for an hour, it allows me to get back into it, you know, two hours later. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's, I mean, but like, you know, our minds are masterful, uh, machines at screwing us up. So <laughs> it's like, like we, it's like part of our full-time job is to make sure that we, uh, can, you know defeat our own brain to get our jobs done. Yeah. And some of that, like, I felt like since I think everyone felt this way in the pandemic, we all went through mm-hmm. this major, you know, the, and some people it was really bad. I was very lucky where I think the worst thing we had to do was move. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, there was, there was some really big up and downs, you know, there was like everyone's got, you know, just, it was shitty. It was a few shitty years and for sure. I don't know if they're quite behind us yet, but I think everyone's feeling like a little bit better. Um, and for me, part of it was figuring out like, well, how do I get my inspiration back? Because I'm so down. I don't know. I don't want to draw. I don't want to write. I don't like, I had no creative like juice. Like it just felt like it was, I felt like a husk. Yeah. So part of it was like January came around and I was like, I got to do stuff again. So I started doing like life drawing sessions. Oh, cool. Two for, to me and two other friends do like a drawing night once a week. Well, it's not once a week anymore. We kind of fell off, but I try to go once a week. <laughs> uh, so, and that's tonight. So I'll probably be going doing that tonight. It's just like, you're still just working. But yeah. Because like, you're working with friends and it's like, there's a social element to it where you just kind of bullshit. And you're doing your, you're doing cross training. You're doing your, you're yeah. doing your drawing pushups. You know, you're getting all it's, that. That's, yeah. I always say drawing. Yeah. Drawing pushups. Like it's, and the life drawing was huge because I oh. hadn't done it since college and I felt like it shook so many things loose um that i didn't even know like i don't know i I just felt like like the sludge was kind of dissipating Mm -hmm. earlier this year and and i started i started doing things where i was like going back to the things that i used to be inspired by like in college and like right after that where i was like what are the things that i would watch that would be like this is i'm so inspired right now after watching this thing like a taste that you know that you love the taste of yeah yeah. want to go back and dip back in and even though you've seen this movie a million times you know it always works it always makes you feel like that urge to draw i think that's yeah i think that's a that's beautiful because i i think it's i think finding ways to connect with the things that really do light us up is so important because i don't think we ever lose that level of excitement if we stay remain open to it like yeah. if we're always open to it, it, it it's there for us and it will always give that gift and we can always build on it yeah and there's some things that i went back and i was like well this is cringy why did i even like this but <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of them were like just very much trying to put yourself in that headspace again of being like excited and cr- like feeling like you want to do you want to draw or you want to write right whatever it is uh and it was like a slow struggle and it was and then it was like drawing every day you know it's like how do I yeah. I've got to learn how to do this again because when I was writing it would be like oh, I did like a shitload of covers sure but like it's not consistent and it's mm-hmm. not drawing a comic no sure. no it's comics are so intense man 
there's tons. so much drawing. It's, it's tons of work. Of work. It is. It's, 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 it's too much work for the amount of time that most people spend on the actual artwork yeah. uh, who are looking at it. Yeah. But when you get, a, when you do the page and you draw it and like the feeling that you get, oh, it's yeah. great. It's like, yeah, it's, it's so great. Good. It's so good. It's great. It's a, it, that, you know, that like, I always call like if that, I always call it kind of that roller coaster sense. Like when you, when you feel almost that slight sense of vertigo, nervousness, whatever the thing is in your, in your, in your belly, when you're drawing, there's that, that and like, that's when all the cool stuff is happening. Like you're yeah. just, you're just in that edge of the danger zone, but the artwork is just flowing out of you. It's a great yeah. thing. I love the danger zone. I live in the danger zone. Well, that's why we call you Maverick. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Are you, so you're, are you still drawing traditional or are you doing digital work too? No, I, you know, I do, I do a lot of work digitally and some of it was because I was traveling so much where it was like, right. I have to do this. Um, and I think it's also good to know. So like mm-hmm. I try and keep up with, you know, when there's, I don't know, I, like I taught myself clip studio a few years ago. Cause I was like, I feel like I should just know this program. Sure. You know, better than I do. Just because it's such a useful tool. It's Even amazing. if I'm not using it, like, you know, it, I just, I don't know. But I draw so much better on paper. Ah, I don't know if that's true. I think I draw, like, the ideas just come out easier when I'm drawing on paper. I get it. I totally get that. There's I'm always, a, like, thumbnails traditionally, like, I can't thumbnail it, digitally. Doesn't it feel like, even though, like, drawing on, you know, a Cintiq or a tablet, whatever you want to call it, it is, it's an amazing, and it's such a mind blowing event, you know, if you think about the nineties. Um, but there still seems to be that there's something in between you and the final thing. Yeah. And, when, and I think when, that's because that's how we were brought up. That was how we really, right. now it's like, I talk to people who like have drawn their whole life on tablets and it's mm-hmm. like, they're like, wow, drawing on paper is like weird to me. <laughs> you know like it's I so cool dissonance you know of like this is just how i've learned i'm used to I that i love that you know? i love that yeah i do too i think it's really fascinating and yeah. i don't think that there's anything wrong with doing things no like i definitely am pro uh you know if you've got a tool that you can use that makes life a little bit easier go ahead and do it if it's not hurting for sure else, do it yeah <laughs> And you never know when Ticonderoga is going to, you know, up the prices on the pencils and we're yeah. all screwed, oh, you know? Goodness. Yeah, when lead <laughs> prices go up. I mean, yeah, when they can figure out how to turn lead into gold, pencils are going to yeah, be really expensive. Yeah, yeah, when the alchemists take over, man, we're all, you know, every artist is in big trouble, except for the people on the tablets. They're just going to laugh their way to the yeah. bank. I'll be the, I want to be the alchemist. I'll turn all my lead into gold. <laughs> Graphite into gold. I know. I, I, I didn't want to get into the, the, the actual semantics of what a pencil's made of, but it just, uh, we, we, for comedy's sake, we had to, we had to stick with it. Exactly. So, what is, I mean, and before, before we wrap up, I just wanted to, um, I, I, I like to think about like my stupid mentality of drawing comic books in the terms of, I had to do a page a day and then there was nobody gave me a time limit. They never yeah. said like, Hey, do it in six hours and you'll have a happy life. I was like one day, shoot 14 hours. I can do that. And um, like, so I would spend a lot of days for 14 hours drawing a stupid comic page. And so what is your, like, if you had to average it, what do you think your averages are for your, your pages? Oh, it's probably between like eight and 14, honestly. 
Uh, Jesse, you're, you're, you're a genius like me. <laughs> it's a, I don't know, it's genius or insanity. It's so hard to tell. I think, I, know. I think with the pages I'm working on now, especially because they're, it's personal project again. And because it's like very, like, I just had the story in my head for so long. Like I want it to be as good as it can be. And so okay. I am like kind of doing a little more with these pages. I'm drawing them bigger. So it takes longer. Um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't do this normally with everything, you know, like right. when I was doing my 80, my 80 pages in the months of April and May, <laughs> I was drawing them much faster. I would say, you know, but those pages were also like, one of them was an ice fishing story and it took inside, it, it was like, took place inside a shack on a frozen lake. So it was like, okay. when it wasn't dark in the shack, it was like a frozen expanse <laughs> of a sure, white. So yeah, well, there was some trees, but <laughs> yeah, a lot of white. It was, um, and then a lot of black when you're inside the show. So that was like that story specifically. That's going to be in the Jinji Ito um, Betwixt anthology that Jinji Ito is curating uh, cool. later this year. But it was strategic. It's like, I've got to do so much this this next few months. This comic has to be easy to draw. Yeah. But when it was like, you know, Michael and I wrote it together for the setting. It's like he thought about fishing and I was like, well, fishing's great because it's just water. But like, what if it's ice fishing and it's just like a dark shack? yeah a lot of shadow very moody like i think there's some cool stuff that we could do uh so sometimes you know you want to make life easier for yourself and if you want to draw something happening during a snowstorm or an avalanche go ahead and do it because it's like comics are hard man (laughs) (laughs) you know don't make it don't make it harder on yourself no it's hard enough as it is yeah Um, of course i had that garth ennis script that was like and here's like a crowd here's the whole thing of people and here's like a bunch of cars a parking mm. lot with cars i'm like oh, oh. oh. <laughs> things i hate to draw as far as the cruel reality of of the script yeah, yeah it is yeah. uh it, it is i yeah it, it can be it can be a mind bender i know well so what else so what can when do, when do, does the world get to see the distillery piece um so that's gonna be we can talk about it. We can talk about it at the, it gets announced, I think at the end of the month. Cool. So I'm excited for that. Cause it's like, Ooh, that's only like a week away or something. Something. Um, yeah. And then, uh, it's going to come out in November, I think. All right. The first issue comes out in November. So yeah. That's great timing. Yeah. I'm working real hard on it right now. And then it's, we're just like, go, it's like, we're going you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then we've got this, um, the Betwixt anthology comes out, I think in November, I did a short story, um, in an anthology that Eric Powell put together called Four Gathered on Christmas Eve. And it's me, Eric and Mike Mignola. And that comes out like right around Christmas. It's like another short story in that. Never heard of those guys. Yeah. They're just, who knows who they are. <laughs> I was so yeah. like, Eric, the fact that Eric asked me, I was like, me? <laughs> what, <laughs> me in your story? Um, but it, that was fun because I got to do like, again, I had another story that I had been like in my head mm-hmm. for a couple of years. I just didn't know what to do with it or where. And then this book came up and I was like, aha, I've got the perfect story. For that. <laughs> Put it in there. Well, that's, and that's a great thing. Everyone should always remember, keep all those ideas, write everything down yeah, because right, you never know when. Even if it's silly, you know, just yeah. write it down because uh, you never know when you'll need a, a silly idea, especially the silly ones. And then the creep mm-hmm. show thing, I think, also comes out in 
like October and November. I'm going to have a busy like end of year. I think I'll have like a bunch of stuff just coming out at the same time. Ugh. That's good. That's exciting. Yeah. I feel like I've been off the shelves for a little bit. And even with like the superhero stuff, like I don't feel like that's necessarily me. So I'm kind of excited to have like my own stuff. Yeah. Even if they're just short stories, it feels good. I think it's, I think it's great. And I, it's exciting to see, you know, I, I'm always excited to see something new happening in the industry and, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's just the more, the better and the better, the more. So yeah, it's, I, I think it's just, I feel pretty good. I'm hoping that other people feel good too. I don't want to be the only person feeling good right now. I mean, <laughs> is, that, is that like if you, if you can't pick up the uh, the sucker at the at the poker table, then it's you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is she smiling? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I just, I, yeah, I'm feeling good about comics again. And good. Be very happy because I love them so much. Yeah, I, I, I mean, listen, the, you know, they're my first love, so I, yeah. I'm, I'm always going to love them. Um, I may have a contentious relationship about making them, but I, uh, I'll always love them. That just comes with the territory. I think yeah. there's definitely the love and then the hate underneath and then underneath yeah. that is love and then underneath that is hate. It's, it's like a layer cake of, you know. Yeah. Hate and love. It's great. Mm. I, try, I try and not be too, it's so easy to be cynical about comics. Of I course. It's the easiest thing in the world. You know, they had that like comics broke me hashtag going around a little while ago and I was like. It'd be so easy to hop on board with this, but I can't because it's like, I don't want to think about comics that way. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that, you know, if other people are really like hurting by comics, it's not valid um, because it's not, it, this is just like, personally, if I start getting down about it, it's just too easy to fall into that hole of like, sure. why am I doing this? Like, what's the point? And, you know, I could be doing so much better if I just did something else with my life. But this is like, I honestly love them and I can't imagine like, ever not making them so yeah yeah it's it's good i try and that's just me you know yeah yeah i think that's great Becky, thank you so much for taking yeah. this time i know you're super busy um you know I when you said yes <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's like you weren't as busy when you, you know, when you said yes initially. And then I'm like, I, and then you're like, you're like, I'm getting really busy. I'm like, oh, no, you know, but um, yeah. I uh, I appreciate you, you you taking the time and well, talking with me. This was fun. Yeah. And yeah. I, like I got to talk about Carl a little bit. I love talking about him behind his back. Yeah. Well, who, who, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> part of the course. He has a T, he has a shirt that says on the back, go ahead and start talking. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> love it. I love it. I'm going to talk uh, to him on Thursday or Wednesday or something. I can't remember, but yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, you can listen to his episode tomorrow. Oh, that's exciting. I'll do that before. Talk of course, to everybody hearing this right now will go, what? And I'm like, well, that was three weeks ago. So <laughs> good luck. So go back um, and listen to the old, the last episode. Yeah, episode talk. 197. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's I me being professional. Yeah, I used to work with Carl and we were we had a studio together in Montreal and it was like the best. I don't know. It's he's great. He is great. He is great. I mean, it, I it's yet another reason to go to Montreal. So Yeah. I'm going to that's how I'm going to sign off this episode with Carl Kershaw is great. <laughs> All right, you heard it here. <laughs> Bye Becky. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>